let's do this. We're going to read back in Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 1, and then we're going to go into Mark's gospel into the 16th chapter to get started. So Romans 8, verse 1, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And we know as we've gone through that, we've, we've, we've talked about that, of, of talking about identity. Either we are, are still only of the flesh, or we have born, been born again, born of the Spirit. And for those who are born of the Spirit, no condemnation. One day we will stand, after this life is over, we will stand wholly blameless and above reproach before God the Father because of what Christ has done. He has paid our penalty of, for sin. Our sins have been washed clean for those who are in Christ. No condemnation. And we talked about for those who are yet lost, who doesn't know Christ, who are not born again, all they will have facing them is condemnation. All they will have facing them is the wrath of God, His wrath poured out upon sin. And uh, as we were looking at that a few weeks ago, uh, uh, I think it was about five weeks ago, and I talked quite a lot. We looked at a lot of different verses that, that talked about condemnation about those who are condemned about those also who are in Christ and in the midst of that this verse came up it was a part of that and it stuck in my mind and I was like I need to go back and address that at some point and today's the day Mark sixteen sixteen, and here it says and he who believes and anytime we see that believe and I ask that question so often do you believe well he who believes believes the gospel of Jesus Christ Believes that that God is God, the creator of all things in the universe, and that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth in the form of a man to go to the cross to give himself as the payment for the penalty for sin to all who believe. And so he who believes, and then it says this, and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And so our, our focus that Sunday was on uh, believing so that one might escape the wrath of God, so that one might escape condemnation. But today I want to bring up the subject which, which uh, was brought up there by Mark of baptism. And, and uh, let's, let's do this uh, before we pray again. Let's, let's, let's go to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, and this was to his disciples, he was talking to them. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And let's pray God's blessing upon his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we do give thanks for your word and for your truth. And Lord, even now, I pray that you'd pour your spirit out upon us. Lord, you know each heart that's here. 
So, Lord, I pray that you draw us all to yourself. Help us all that we may know you more, that we all may know of our true condition before you, and that, Lord, that in your mercy and grace that you would shine on us. So, Lord, help us to learn. Speak, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, here, here at this church, two of the ordinances, if you want to call it that, that's what a, that's that's church speak uh, in a lot of ways. But two of the ordinances that, that we partake of is, of course, one of them you know because the second Sunday of every month we partake of communion together, so that is one. And the other, which we do not talk about often, is baptism. And you may say, well, why? Why? Why do you believe in baptism? Why do you believe that we should obey after we are saved, after we have been born again, and submit ourselves or subject ourselves to baptism? Why, why do you believe that? Well, <laughs> quite simply, because look what's on the screen, because Jesus told us to. I, I really don't have to go into any further explanation than that. Uh, we, we do it because Jesus has asked this to happen. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let's begin here as we broach this topic, because I know there's a multitude of different ideas of what this means. So uh, where is the first time that we are exposed to this thought of baptism? Who? Well, let me say this. Who is doing the baptism? Yeah, John the Baptist. John Baptist, so let's turn to Matthew, the third chapter. Here we're going to see the preaching of John the Baptist. And who was John the Baptist? Well, we know that he was a a cousin, as it turns out, uh, of Jesus Christ. And he is the one who would uh, set the stage, so to speak, who would prepare the way for Jesus and his arrival and his ministry. So in, in Matthew 3, let's read the first three verses. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the Baptist was preaching repentance. Make straight the way of the Lord, telling people to repent of their sins, to turn to God, and many people came. And many people recognized that they were sinners and they were confessing their sins. Uh, Let's go a little farther, verses 4 through 6 in Matthew 3. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him. Do you picture, it's got to be quite the crowd. Everybody's interested in this. It had to be kind of wild looking, don't you think? Uh, uh, camel hair, leather belt. He eat locusts and wild honey. And, and, and so people are, well, let's go see what this is all about. I could see there being a, a great crowd, if nothing more than just, uh, let's go see the spectacle. Let's go see what's happening. But many were coming, and they were convicted of sin, and they were they were repenting. 
Uh, so they were there, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, who was coming? For the most part, Jews. I'm sure some Gentiles were coming in there, but for the most part, this was Jews. Now here, I want you to think about this. Because those of you who have been coming here for quite a while, you know we've talked about this and about the attitude of the Jews and about the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And, and, and their attitude was, hey, don't, don't, don't try to tell us about this gospel of grace through faith. We have Abraham as our father. The oracles were given to us. We have our circumcision. We have our rituals. We, we are God's people. Don't tell us about these other things. So here, this is John calling for the Jews to repent. Do you see it? Think about that. He's asking the Jews to admit that they were sinners and needed to get right with God. And they thought they were right. He's in essence asking the Jews to admit that just being a Jew was not a guarantee of being saved and it's not it's not and here they are now turning to God confessing their sins and are now relying wholly on the mercy of God to forgive them and as a symbol of this repentance of this confessing of their sins John is baptizing them And this was a sign to others that they had repented of sins, that they had turned to God, they're looking to Him, and now John is baptizing them, a symbol, a baptism of repentance. Now, (laughs) you're going to know the answer to this before we read the Scripture. How did the Pharisees and the Sadducees accept this? Not very good, not very good. Uh, Matthew uh, 3, verse 7. But when he, when John the Baptist saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to, ba- coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now this, this was the Jewish spiritual, so to speak, leaders of the time. And he's confronting them, and he's trumpeting a warning. Repent, all of you, all of you, repent, flee the wrath to come. So he was sending out this warning and preparing people for the coming Messiah, and then coming down the bank of the river comes Jesus. And the verse that you all know in John 1, uh, verse 29, we're going to come back to Matthew 3, but here... Uh, in John 1, verse 29, and the next day, John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, he, he sees him coming. He, he recognized him not just for, you know, I don't know, we don't have biblical account of if they had much interaction uh, we, we know the great interaction that had while while the, the, both of these men were in their mother's womb and 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 you had that meeting and 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 the infant in the in the Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy. Remember that passage. So I don't know if there was much interaction, perhaps because they were a a, a not first cousin but a, a a cousin, so to speak. And but he sees him and and by God's 
spirit speaking to him recognizes now his cousin for who he is. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that tells the gospel story. That's why Jesus came to be the sacrificial lamb that when he shed his blood upon the cross of Calvary, it was for the remission of sins for all who would believe in him and believe his gospel. So here he's come, and, and John recognized him for who he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now let's go back to Matthew 3, read verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John the Baptist, allowed him. Verse 16, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus, most most biblical scholars agree that at this point Jesus is uh, around 30 years old. And this is the time that he is beginning his earthly ministry. And what's the first thing he does? gets baptized. He goes to get baptized. But remember this. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Jesus had nothing to repent of. He was sinless. That's why John, when we read through that, did you catch that? You're coming to me? To be baptized? No, no, no. I need to be baptized by you. You see, John recognized this was kind of upside down. The sinner needed to be baptized by the sinless one, not the other way around. And as I was reading different different uh, commentators and different things in regard to this through the years, one of the things that, that came up, and, and, and I thought it was interesting to consider, And so I I just want to tell you about it so so you can kind of consider it too. One commentator said that, that it was as though Jesus stepped into the baptismal water of our sin. Not for the remission of his own sin, for the repenting of his own sin, but rather he stepped into the baptismal water of our sin to take on our sin. And, And I thought that's... That's, that's, to me, that, that, that was a pretty good thought. Now, that's, that's just talk. That's just talk. But, but the picture, the picture, I think, is pretty good because we know what, what did Christ do upon the cross? He, he, he bore our sins. He took upon himself our sins and paid the penalty for us and our sin. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he, this is God the Father, for he made him, 
Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, for he made him who knew no sin, that's Christ, he knew no sin to be what? Say it. Sin. To be sin for us. Why? Why would he do such a thing? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. And there's that great exchange that I talk about quite often. He went to the cross. He took upon himself our sin. Child of God, he took upon himself the penalty for your sin. And in return, he gave us righteousness. His righteousness. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But he gave it to us. And we will stand one day before God clothed in that robe of righteousness, if you want to say it that way, not of our own doing, but of what Christ did. And there will be no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are clothed in that righteousness of Christ. So, why did Jesus come to be baptized? Well, Matthew 3, verse 15, put that back up. He said, permit it to be so, for thus it was fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now back up to the previous verse that we just did in in, uh, 2 Corinthians. To fulfill all righteousness. Now 2 Corinthians 5, 21, back up to it. For he who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, why? That we might become the righteousness of Christ. It had to be done. Why was Jesus bad? Why did he say? Because this is part of God's plan. We need to do this to fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill what God the Father had sent him to do, to give himself a sacrifice for sin that we might become the righteousness of God. You see that? And I believe that the baptism of Jesus was a foretelling of what was to come. Because we know what happens in three years from this time. The crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He became sin for us, child of God. He bore our sins upon the cross. And I believe John took Jesus and he immersed him under the water. And why do I say that? Because it says, and then he came up out of the water. So he had to have been in the water, immersed in the water. He dipped him under the water, symbolizing how he would one day be placed in a tomb of death. And then he brought him out of the water to symbolize what? His resurrection. And when we, by faith, receive Christ as Lord and Savior and are baptized, we in turn are identifying identifying with the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we've been learning in Romans, we have died to sin... And have been raised to newness of life. And when we present ourselves to be baptized, we are saying we have been crucified with Christ. The old person is dead. And I've been raised to newness of life. Just as Christ died, was buried, and was raised from the dead. Galatians 2 verse 20. We read this as we sang that song, Yet Not I. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when we're baptized, we're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not the same. I've been made into something new. I've been born again. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation in Christ. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Baptism does not bring about salvation. Get that. If you were baptized as a child or, or, or you went through the motions of being baptized and, and you were still lost when you were put in the water or you were sprinkled or whatever mode it might have been, if you were not converted, if you were not born again, that did not save you. And it never will. It never will. Baptism is not in addition to my faith. It is an expression of receiving the gift of faith. Baptism is, is an expression that I have received the gift of faith. It's, it's a public confession of a personal conversion. Salvation is an inward spiritual experience brought about by the grace and mercy of God. By grace we have been saved through faith. And baptism then is an outward expression of that inward experience. Does that come across Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? Baptism is just an outward expression of what has already transpired within us. Water baptism doesn't save you. No amount of water can wash away your sins. There, <laughs> there's only one thing. There's that old hymn that I know we sing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, water cannot wash away your sins. And the sad thing about this, and I'm not going to get into all of it today, but there are many religions, one in particular, that teaches that the act of water baptism has regenerating power. That that infant that goes through baptism is reborn. That's heresy. It's not true. That's not true. The water does not save us. It's not the removal of the filth or the grime from the flesh. And I, and I get that from 1 Peter 3, verse 21 through 22. Let, let's look at that. There is also an antitype which now saves us Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. In Galatians 3, verse 26 and 27. For you are all sons of God through faith. How do we come to God? 
through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. It's faith. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now this being baptized into Christ, this is not talking about water baptism. That's being talking about your salvation of being in Christ. Of having died to sin. We are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And and when Peter, he talked about, maybe you're kind of wondering about that when he said there's also an antitype. What is an antitype? What was he referring to? Well, he was, if you read all those passages, he was referring back to Noah and the ark. And what is an antitype? It is something that is a pattern of something else. It corresponds to something else, a model of or representative of something else. Now here, let me ask, how were the eight souls saved through the flood? And, and, and probably the answer you would say, well, the ark. And then I would say, but, but wait, what caused them to build the ark? What caused them to get in the ark? Faith. Right? Faith. They had to have faith and believe God. So it was through faith in believing God that they were saved. By faith, they built the ark. By faith, they got in the ark. By faith, they were saved. And Peter says this is an antitype, or in the same way or corresponding to that, we are saved. As the ark safely held eight souls in the days of Noah, the days in which God, what what was God doing there? Pouring out His wrath. God poured out his wrath upon all of mankind, wiped out everything. And these eight souls were saved because they believed God, they had faith, they built the ark, they went in the ark, and the Lord saved them. So also will having faith in Christ save you. Jesus Christ, you know, many people have preached a sermon on this passage talking about Christ, our ark of safety, of being in Christ. We will be safe in the day of judgment when God will once again pour out his wrath upon all mankind. But for all of those who are in Christ, in the ark of safety, in Christ, you'll be saved. Do, do, do we see the picture that, that Peter was painting there? So when we are saved, immediately a baptism takes place. Not a water baptism, but an answer of a good conscience toward God. That's what Peter said. Not an outer cleansing, but an inward cleansing. Not a physical cleansing, but a spiritual cleansing. Let's read uh, quite a lengthy passage. Let's go back to Romans, the sixth chapter, and let's read. What most of us have been studying over the last several months. Let's read Romans 6 verses 1 through 11. And let's put all the pieces together from God's word. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. See, what was he answering? Well, if we're saved by grace through faith and, and we are saved forever, then I'll just sin that grace may abound. No, no. No, if if that's your attitude, then you're not truly saved. 
What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, immersed in him, placed into, united with him? Do you see see the meaning of that baptized there? As many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that your old that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. There is therefore now no condemnation. You see that. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. At verse 3, it said, baptized into Christ, baptized into his death. Now identifying with Jesus Christ and his death. We read earlier in Galatians 3, put verse 27 back up, Galatians three twenty-seven. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. See, when we were saved, when we were immersed, placed into Christ, baptized with Christ, we were united with him spiritually so that his substitutionary death becomes our death and his resurrected life becomes our life. We live, we sang it, yet not I, but Christ in me. Can we put that Galatians 2.20 up there one more time? What a great verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So in Christ, we're a new creation. We've been raised together with him to walk in newness of life. Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Remember remember what we talked about. This circumcision is a circumcision of the heart. Remember us preaching that and, and talking about that? Not, not, not a circumcision made with hands, but a circumcision of, a, of our heart wrought by God. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Buried with him. Again, what does water baptism portray? I believe it's a picture of the death the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. But also I believe it's a picture of what has happened to us. We have died to sin and we have been raised to newness of life. Water baptism is a profession to all who witness that we have died with Christ and have been raised in Him. That's what baptism is. 
Water baptism is a symbol of what has happened in the inner man within us. Water baptism is an outward expression of that inward experience. It's a public confession of a personal conversion and submitting oneself to baptism is an act of obedience to Jesus Christ. So just let me say this as we close. For any child of God who has not presented themselves for water baptism, perhaps you need to ask yourself the same question that the eunuch asked of Philip. What hinders me from being baptized? That's in Acts 8.36. Where Philip had, had opened the word of God to this one. And, 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 here, and apparently a, a conversion took place. Apparently the word of God became real in this person's heart, in this eunuch's heart. And, and he'd heard about maybe some of these same things that we've talked about, being baptized and all of this. And, and, and immediately, immediately... Well, well, there's there's some water, Philip. There's some water. What hinders me from getting baptized? And so, if you've not been baptized, and, and perhaps it's been my failure not to preach on it, perhaps as often as perhaps I should, but today you've heard about it, and you know the why. And so, what would hinder you from submitting yourself in obedience to Christ and be baptized? I'm too old. I got saved a long time ago. That's too late. No, it's not. I'm I'm too young. No, if if you've received Christ and you know that you have been born again, no, no. Well, I'm afraid of water. Well, here, let me tell you this. If, if I'm the one that would be doing the baptizing, you can hold your nose and you won't be under there but a split second and we'd have you back up. Don't let a fear keep you from being baptized. And perhaps for those of you that have been saved, you know that you are in Christ and you've been baptized, perhaps... It'd just be a time for you to reflect back. Maybe you were young when you were baptized. You were very new in the faith and you didn't really understand a whole lot about it. And, and as you've grown in your faith, now you can look back on it and, and you can marvel at what Christ has done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. And I pray that, that it has gone out in, in truth according to your word. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to all be obedient to you and what you are asking of your children, of those who are born again. And, and Father, help us just to glory in knowing that our sins have been forgiven. Help us to marvel at knowing that we have been crucified with you, that we have been raised to newness of life. Help us to marvel to know that one day we will be raised in glory with you. So, Father, help us to understand. Help us to be obedient. Help us to live for you, I pray in Christ's name.
Amen. Amen.